The epistle lesson for this evening is from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. And please remain seated for the gospel reading. The gospel reading appointed for this service is from John chapter 15, and this will also serve as the basis for the sermon this evening. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, ab it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. We sing the gifts Christ freely gives, hymn 602. Christ freely gives, he gives to you and me, to be his church, his bride, his chosen, saved and free. Saints blessed with these rich gifts, our children who proclaim that they were won by Christ and cling to his strong gifts flow from the font where he calls us his own new life he gives that makes us his and his alone here he forgives our sins with water and his word the triune God himself gives power to call 
the gifts of grace and peace from absolution flow. The pastor's words are Christ for us to trust and know. Forgiveness that we need is granted to us there. The Lord of mercy sends us forth in his blessed care. The gifts are there each day. The holy word is read. God's children listen here, receive, and they are fed. Christ fills them with himself. Blessed words that give them life. Restoring and refreshing them for this world's strife. The gifts are in the feast, gifts far more than we see. Beneath the bread and wine is food from Calvary. The body and the blood remove our every sin. We leave his presence in his peace renewed again. All glory to the one who lavish us such love. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. The text for this evening's message is, as I mentioned just moments ago, the gospel reading for tonight, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. At this time I highlight verse 1, where Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow branches attached to the vine. If the Christmas tree is a symbol and fixture of Christmas, of the Christmas season, then the vine is a symbol and essential fixture of the Advent season. Let me explain. When Jesus refers to himself as the vine and his father as being the vine dresser, he is drawing from imagery that is found in the Old Testament. The vine was a common symbol for the nation of Israel, God's people. For example, in Psalm 80, we read, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. Isaiah also speaks of a vineyard, and that vineyard being the nation of Israel. And he describes this vineyard in such a way that the vineyard is not thriving, it's not healthy, despite the care that God has poured out onto it. Listen to these words of the prophet. He writes, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. 
My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill, and he dug it, and he cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And then in verse 7 of that same chapter, Isaiah writes, he explains actually who he's talking about. He says, for the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And God, the vineyard dresser, he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, and he saw an outcry. The prophet Ezekiel also speaks of a vine and branches, describing Israel's spiritual relationship with God, saying that Jerusalem is a worthless vine. It's interesting to note, if we were to look at all of the references for the vineyard and as it relates to the people of Israel, we would find that the symbol of the vine is actually used to describe the people of God in a very negative way. Just like the three passages I read to you. And yet, despite the unflattering imagery of Israel as a fruitless and diseased vine, The vine became a symbol of Israel and was even minted on the coins of the Maccabees. History books tell us that a gigantic golden vine with grape clusters decorated the emblature above the temple gates. Walking through the temple gates as the worshipers entered into the temple, they would see this vine and it would be a reminder to them that They are God's people, and they were taken out of Egypt when they were in captivity, and that God planted them as a vineyard in the choice land, the land that was flowing with milk and honey, this promised land. But the problem, maybe lost on some of them, was that most of the people of Israel, the branches that were connected to the vine, so to speak, became a wild vine and even a fruitless, barren vine. And it's against this backdrop that Jesus proclaims that he is the true vine and that his father is the vine dresser. Unlike faithless and fruitless Israel, Jesus is not only the true vine, but he is faithful and he is fruitful. Jesus says in verse 2 of John 15, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Our Lord distinguishes sharply among those who are called branches on the vine. There are some healthy branches that are connected to the vine, and they're producing fruit. But there's also wild branches connected to that vine, and those are false Christians. False Christians who bear no fruit, but who consume the sap from the healthy branches. Martin Luther, commenting on this chapter, and specifically on this verse, writes, and I quote, To our sorrow, we see that in Christendom there are always some wild and useless branches that bear nothing but immature fruit, which must be rejected. True, they come from the vine, but they do not remain there. 
they are baptized, they hear the gospel, and they have the forgiveness of sins. And at first, as Christ states, they are, they are on the vine, that is, in him. But as time goes on, they degenerate into wild offshoots and are Christians in name only. They do not teach and confess the word properly. It is all make-believe. These words also apply to indolent Christians. They have the word and pure doctrine, but they do not live in conformity with it. Their only desire is to do and live according to their lusts. And such loose and lazy Christians are easily bowled over by factions and false teachers. You know, there's a warning for us in Jesus' words. Lest we become smug and think that we are a healthy branch, we are to constantly assess our own spiritual health. And the season of Advent presents us with that opportunity to do just that. For the season of Advent is a season of repentance. And that's why in many churches you would find not blue linen on the altar, but purple. And why you would find not blue candles, but purple candles. Because just like Lent, Advent is also a season of repentance. As we heard this past Sunday, we heard John the Baptist say what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so as we live a life of repentance, we are always asking ourselves, and rightly so, am I or am I becoming a wild and useless branch? Am I a Christian in name only? Am I becoming apathetic and lazy in nurturing and living my life as a follower of Christ? As we examine ourselves and pray over these matters, we might also find ourselves wondering, well, how do I even know that I'm a healthy and fruitful branch? Well, that's where the pruning comes in that Jesus speaks of. And Advent is also a season for pruning. You know, the last few Sundays we have heard of the signs that alert us to the fact that Christ is at hand. His second coming is near. Wars, famine, disease, internal family strife, persecution, sickness, the lure of lust and worldly concerns are all part of our daily existence. And you see, the vine dresser uses these temptations and these trials and these tribulations to evaluate us, to determine if we are a wild and useless branch, whether or not we are a branch in name only, whether we are a slothful and lazy branch. The vine dresser uses these difficulties and hardships not only to evaluate us, but also to build us up to build up the healthy branches with spiritual health and well-being. Again, I'm quoting from Martin Luther. He writes, The vine dresser sends trials which compel us to exercise our faith. He lets the devil in the world hound us with external and internal persecutions. Thereby he purifies and trims the branches to make them stronger and better. And all of this is done that we may bear even more fruit that our fruit may assert itself more and more, and by reason of trials may become sure and strong, that they may praise God all the more, pray, preach, and confess. 
And so God used these temptations, these trials, these tribulations to actually help the fruitful branch become even healthier and more fruitful. And the vine dresser, he uses his word, notably, most notably the law. He uses like pruning shears or ratchet pruners. For you see, the law of God cuts and trims. It cuts and trims us of our arrogance and of our self-will and our self-righteousness and whatever other disease aspect of us that needs to be cut away. God's law does that so that then we repent and we turn to the Lord for forgiveness and we turn to the Lord for spiritual refreshment and revitalization. Like a vine that is pruned, our vine dressers pruning of us rids us of our dead and damaged and diseased parts. And at the same time, it strengthens us and it, and it, and it renews us and it refreshes us as, as we are attached again and again to the vine, resulting in us actually being spiritually healthier and more fruitful. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but listen to verse 2 again where Jesus says, Every branch that is bearing fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Did you hear that? If you are being pruned, you can be assured that you're bearing fruit. Because the Lord prunes those branches that are bearing fruit. Why? So that they may bear more fruit. And so we need not be afraid of the pruning process. Again, I'm going to quote from Martin Luther because he had such great words on this, on, this cha- on this chapter. He said, this is an especially charming picture, this idea of God being the, the vine dresser. He says, this is an especially charming picture. God portrays himself not as a tyrant or a jailer, but as a pious vine dresser who tends and works his vineyard with all faithfulness and diligence and surely does not intend to ruin it by fertilizing and hoeing and pruning and removing superfluous leaves. For he does not let his vineyard stand there to be torn to pieces by dogs and wild sows. No, he tends it and he watches over it. He is concerned that it bears well and produces good wine. Therefore, he must hoe and prune so as not to chop and cut too deeply into the stem and the roots and take off too many branches or trim off all of the foliage. Such care, Christ says, my father exercised with respect to me and you. Therefore, let us be unafraid, Luther writes, and let us not be terrified by the bad manure or the prongs and the teeth of the devil in the world, for God will not let them go beyond what serves our best interests. In fact, in verse 3 of our text, Jesus says, he says of fruitful vines, he says, you are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. As I was working on this text, it kind of dawned on me, I don't know if it ever dawned on me before, that Jesus, the vine, was trimmed. And he was pruned. As he suffered and died on on a cross made from a tree. But because he was trimmed and pruned, because he was crucified for us on the cross of Calvary, he is the righteous branch. As foretold through Jeremiah. Jeremiah. When Jeremiah wrote, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he'll be called. 
The Lord is our righteousness. Yes, when we are attached to the vine, Jesus Christ, when we are attached to this righteous vine, His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His cleanness becomes our cleanness. Our sins are forgiven through Him. And so the vine dresser or, is always looking to graft us. Advent is a season of being grafted to the vine by the vine dresser. Grafting is a technique used by vine dressers to, to join the tissues of two plants. You probably know that. They're put together, they're grafted so that they can continue to grow as one plant. And that's what the vine dresser, our Heavenly Father, does with us. He connects us, he grafts us to the vine, to Jesus Christ so that we may grow as one plant, so that we might receive all the necessary nutrients from the vine, Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says in our text, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, who's ever grafted into me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, there is no spiritual life apart from the vine, Jesus Christ. There is no righteousness apart from the vine, Jesus Christ. There is no forgiveness when you're no longer connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. There is no eternal life apart from Jesus Christ. That's pretty serious, isn't it? And so the vine dresser, our Heavenly Father, grafts us to the vine. How does he do it? Well, we sang about it in our hymn just before this sermon. The gifts Christ freely gives. Look in your bulletin, if you will, to verse 2, for instance. Where does God graft us? Where does the vine dresser graft us to the vine? In holy baptism. It doesn't say that specifically here in these words, but in verse 2 we read, The gifts flow from the font where he calls us his own. New life he gives that makes us his and his alone. Here he forgives our sins with water and his word. The triune God himself gives power to call him Lord. You see, the vine dresser and the vine pass these nutrients on to us as we're grafted to the vine, and he does so through, the, through holy baptism. But he also uses other means as well. Verse 3, the gifts of grace and peace from absolution flow. The pastor's words are Christ for us to trust and know. Forgiveness that we need is granted to us there. The Lord of mercy sends us forth in his blessed care. Verse 4 of that hymn, the gifts are there each day. The gifts are there each day that God wants to give us. When the holy word is read, God's children listen, hear, receive, and they are what? Fed. Christ fills them with himself, bless words that give them life, restoring and refreshing them for this world's strife. 
And then verse 5. The gifts are in the feast. Gifts far more than we see. Beneath the bread and the wine is food from Calvary. The body and the blood remove our every sin. We leave his presence in his peace. Renewed. Refreshed. Revitalized. Again. Yes, you see, Advent is a season for us to be grafted into the vine as the Lord comes to us and feeds us these nutrients through these means of grace. And Advent then is a season of connection. It's a season of nutrition. It's a season of life and and fruit, fruitfulness. As the nutrients of the vine come to us in this word and sacrament, detached from the vine results in sporadic, shriveled fruit, It leads ultimately to barrenness and even death, and eventually it results in the vine dresser throwing the barren branch into the fire. But those who are grafted to the vine, we produce fruit. Fruit produced by being attached to the vine. And so Advent is a season of fruitfulness. The branch that is attached to the vine, and that's you and me, Well, we're being trimmed, aren't we? We're being pruned. We're being cleansed. And as we're being pruned and trimmed and cleansed, the vine dresser causes us to bear fruit. Verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Well, there's much more that could be said about this text. So we'll stop there this night. But, you know, maybe it is a little bit late in the season. But maybe next year, instead of setting up the Christmas tree during the Advent season, we might want to get out a vine and decorate it and put out the vine in our living room where it reminds us. It reminds us that Jesus is the true vine. And his father is the vine dresser. And we are the branches that produce fruit. And that's what Advent is about. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.